Surprise, surprise! Here we are once more. Hey, hey like an unexpected <laughs> credit card bill. All the runs. Like unwanted relatives at Christmas. <laughs> a spot on your bum. Like it or lump it. It's Mark and Carl Hello. with another Beetle Places podcast to amuse you for the next wee while. <laughs> In that order, <clears throat> I'm the Mark bit. And to help things along with me is your friend and mine's a pint, <laughs> Colin. Hello. Uh, well, hello properly. Uh, that's, a, that's a good way to start. Hello, Mark. Hello, Earthlings. Good Beatle evening. fans. Uh, and especially hello, anyone who likes the Beatles a lot. You're mm. especially invited. Good of you to give us a click and waste some time in our company for yet another enticing episode of The Beatle Places Podcast with special hosts Albert Einstein, Mr. Pastry, Charles Hawthorne, and Ethel Merman. Aye, 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 aye. They, they, they can't come. What? The bus has broken down and oh. they've got to go to the doctors. Oh, just us then? Yeah, yeah. Oh. So, uh, anyway. Anyway, there's still Mark and Carl, and it's still lovely to have uh, all you lads and lasses on the show. So, we've got plenty on this podcast, apart from Albert and Mr. Pastry and Charles Hawthorne and Ethel Merman, yeah. um, to entertain you with. And uh, this time we plan to do a special musical number at the end, which we've been rehearsing weeks for, as uh, we ought to tell you. Uh, no less than an all-singing, all-dancing tribute to Star Trek, the original series, which we're uh, going to do for you today. And uh, I, what, I, what? I don't know anything about this. What? What, the, the, the rights? I haven't been practising, no? <laughs> Could, well, couldn't we get the rights to it? Well, uh, uh, oh, there's a letter here. They're quite firm about it. Oh, yeah. Ignore the swear words. Oh, yeah. Oh, blimey. There's quite a few of them, oh. isn't it? Yeah. And what? And do what with your what? Oh, dear. <clears throat> yeah. that, what's that on your feet? That, that, that is a lot of swear words. Anyway, we'll, uh, we'll have to do something else. Well, I, brought, I brought me tap shoes especially. I wonder that. what it was on your feet, though. Yes. Oh, well. Uh, right. Let's carry on, Sort then. ourselves out. We'll have to... I'm sure we can give the listeners a great podcast today from our top draw, absolutely top hell. We, 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 we have a draw now? Super, oh yes, and, and uh, all sorts of stuff. Well, yeah, well, what do we have, Mark? Well, we've got a show anyway, it's a start, isn't it? <laughs> what more could you ask? Let's get on with it. I've got uh, the rocking pneumonia. And I've got the boogie-woogie flu. Ah, right. <laughs> well, well uh, here's some cream for you. <laughs> and the cure for both of us is the Beetle Places podcast. <laughs> hey, it's another excuse to talk incessantly and boringly and go on and on and oh, on yeah. about the Beatles, the best band in the world and their formative years here in Liverpool. Another chance to tell you more than uh, you know about John... Paul, George and Ringo and have some fun into the bargain. It's true, folks. It's true. It's true. His hand was on the Bible when he just said that. So we could, we could spend two hours of your precious time acting like pseudo-intellectuals debating the symbiotic altruism of the Aeolian cadences. But what? We, we'd rather have a laugh, really, and a bit of fun than uh, trying to prove we're, we're being clever. Uh, or being psychoanalytical and, and vapidly pretentious, to be honest with you, Mark, and then bore the kecks off everybody. Uh, Hence the reason why I'm wearing just this gold thong and these flippers today. Yeah, yeah, yeah I have to look at him. <laughs> terrible, and it's cold weather as well. He's, you get off easy sat there listening to this. So uh, anyway, let's get on with this. Let's simply tell you what we have in today's show. You can guess it's stuff with all the usual great Beatles features oh, and yeah. items to keep you amused and entertained. What more could you ask for? So what else is in this episode? Let's find out from my fellow presenter. Now he's in a dressing gown there, very nice. The man with all the answers. 
So he says, that's Col. There's no answer to that. No. Ah, ta, ta. So live from Col's front parlour, once again, it's the Beetle Places podcast with Mark and Col. And we have, in no particular order, we've got a ton of Beatles stuff today. Uh, the, the terrifically good Beatles trivia quiz, Mark does that. More fiendish questions to scratch your head to. And we have Mark also presenting this month in Beatle history. Then it's both of us, as a duet, maybe, I don't know, uh, doing the Beatles book review, or it could just be me or Michelle Law, um, and that's with me and Mark, and Mark and me, uh, with the Beatles Places album review, and possibly a few more features on the side. In fact, I'm a bit preoccupied, busy just uh, now making beans on toast for him. Mm. Very nice. Uh, wishing Cole all the best on his new increased medication. <laughs> Hope the swelling goes down. We'll leave him there for a tick. As ever, we'll include a Beetle Places special feature, a chance to surprise you with something or some things you perhaps never knew about the Fab Foursome. And true to form, we've got a good one this time. We have the Beatles and humour talking about the comics, comedians and musicians and people who gave the band uh, their famous sense of humour. Of course, yeah. In their fledgling years. So let's crack on, start your enzymes and chocks away with another Beetle Places podcast. Thank you for listening. Don't forget, a splendid time is guaranteed for all. So, welcome one and all. Thank you for your RSVPs. And let's begin. And with that ever-reliable, undeniable, incontrivable... <clears throat> terribly tr- tricky Beatles trivia quiz. So I'm going to pass you over to that master of ceremonies, the the maitre d, the debonair, dapper, dapper down, the other guy in the room, in fact, um, Mark, and he's going to do all the honours. Fire away, kid. Right. Well, uh, I'm going to do the same as the the last last episode. Give you some lyrics from some songs. Uh, three lots of lyrics from three different songs, mm. and I like to know which songs uh, they came from. Yeah, go on. Uh, so I've tried to be obscure as I possibly can. Uh, I, so I always am. Seems to work for me. So now you're reading upside down. You know the answers <laughs> to my quiz. You cheat! I know what you're up to. Right. The first. Uh, well, not the first lines, but I've delved into the song, so you should know where these uh, lyrics come from. So uh, here we go. You stay home, she goes out. She says that long ago she knew someone, but now he's gone. She doesn't need him. Which song is that from? Okay. Yeah. All right, you got that one. And now we go to the next quiz. Not the next quiz. The next question. Are you ready? This one is... uh, Slightly difficult. Stop looking over uh, my no, shoulder again. I'm not again. trying to. Right, you yeah, just yeah. happen to be in the way uh, of the wall. Right. <laughs> <laughs> right. How can I even try? I can never win. Hearing them, seeing them, in the state I'm in. Which song is that from? Any idea? I'm trying to be uh, as unusual as I possibly can. And uh, I think I'm pretty unusual. Not anyway. really a stretch, is it? And not really, no. no. <laughs> Uh, Okay. I feel as though you ought to know that I've been good, as good as I can be. And if you do, I'll trust in you. Which song is that from? It doesn't sound right when you say it, does it? I feel as though you ought to know that I've been good, as good as I can be. And if you do, I'll trust in you. 
and know that you will wait for me. Which song is that from? Okay. That's got that out the way. Yeah. <clears throat> Made it hard, hasn't it? Oh, aye. Right. Uh, good of you to help. Thanks a lot, Mark. Okay, we're done there. I'll repeat those questions in a wee while. So hang about for the answers while I have a bath and a biscuit. <laughs> um, so the answers will be coming later on in the podcast. So now we'll saddle up and uh, hitch our um, critters or whatever it is. <laughs> hitch your horse. That's it. Head back to Col, the man who's tasting shirts uh, invented social distancing. <laughs> mm. As he presents our other regular feature, the Beetle Places album guide to the Fab Four, and this time it's the 1968 album, The Beatles, otherwise known as The White Album. Over to you. Well, a big teller, as ever, for Mark and his ever-baffling brain Beatles bluster trivia quiz. (laughs) Thinking me, me, what's it? <laughs> Which I'm sure will keep you rolling your eyes for a few minutes longer. I'm sure of that because I, I thought about that. I, I couldn't get two out of three of them. So uh, good luck with it if you're doing it yourself. So that just gives me a bit of time now to give you the Beetle Places album guide to the Fab Four, and this time it's the 1960 album, 68 album, the Beatles, also known as the White Album, or the Blue Album if you're colorblind. The uh, White Album was released 22nd November 1968, initially recorded May 30th to October 13, uh, a whopping 137 days, and, it was, and that in fact was 136 days longer than it took them to make their first album, so there's a statistic you can reel out of people. Uh, it was a double album of vinyl, and it uh, means nothing to people who've got CDs or stream things these days, but that's four sides of music, folks, and that's about 32 tracks in total. Uh, those worth the mention include Back Blackbird, Back in the USSR, I Will, Revolution, Obladi, Oblada, Helter Skelter, so many more. Um, the recordings began being made in George's house's mansion, if you want to call it that as well, a place called Kinforns. And uh, those recording rehearsals are quite interestingly uh, to listen to all on their own, if you ever you catch them. Uh, a lot of the tunes were written out in India, because Mark mentioned uh, John had uh, recorded some songs out in India. And it seems as though a lot of records were, tracks were made in India as well, so uh, quite a few of them get a feature on the White Album. Um, Yeah, there certainly were a lot of individual recordings done, as it goes, by Paul and John, who were working on some of the songs in separate studios, in fact, at Abbey Road. But uh, during this time, this is when Ringo quit for two weeks, uh, roughly when they were recording back in the USSR. Um, And they did it without him, if ever you want to listen to the track, he's he's not on it. So such was the discord, uh, probably a bad sign of things to come, two years later to come, but uh, that's what you saw mostly in the movie Get Back, in a sort of subtle way. Um, Here's some interesting notes about the White Album, Mark, uh, in that each one was numbered, as we both remember. Aye. And number 000001, who's owned, it was owned by Ringo. Hey. And uh, he later sold that, uh, not so long ago, in fact, for $790,000. Good God. Um, I can't remember what my number is, but... I don't uh, know what mine is either. I'll, I'll have to have yeah. a look. 
Uh, yeah, to the power of something, I think it was. After a while, though, they didn't put the numbers on them, did they? They just printed it with the white album cover, and that was uh, it. Uh, well, they uh, stopped putting the yeah. numbers on, but uh, I yeah. was one of the lucky ones. Saves you right for being the Gen X. Uh, yeah. Uh, George's mum helped uh, George write one of the lyrics on the song. Which one was that, Mark? Remember? Uh, I, I'm not too sure. It was you tell me. It was, it was Piggies. Was it? Yeah, What They Need's a Damn Good Whacking. Oh. She wrote She wrote that lyric. Uh, it's also the al it's also the album uh, when another person sings on a Beatles record for the very first time. Did you say sing? Yeah, well, mm. loosely sings. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, you know when you, you know when you sit on a chair and there's a tack on it. Yeah. Like that. Yeah. Um, uh, Yoko, mm. Yoko, quote unquote, sang on Bungalow Bill. Um, but those with really good hearing can notice there's actually a brief snippet of press manager Derek Taylor talking about wine in the back of the uh, ever so strange recording of Revolution 9. But in, in that one, he isn't really singing, he's just talking. Uh, the White Album itself was co-produced and that was never credited. So George Martin did quite a lot on it, but there was, uh, a, uh, there was quite a bit of work done when he took a holiday and a cohort called Chris Thomas took over and he produced quite a few of the tracks, uh, namely Savoy Truffle, which me and Mark both like. Um, that fella, Chris Thomas, actually went on to produce the Sex Pistols debut album, if you need to know some more stats. Well, what I personally like in the album is when John puts a scouse phrase or two into his songs. Uh, that, that would include Glass Onion, because he talks about the coastline of the Mersey, Aye. called the Cast Iron Shore. And in the song I'm So Tired, when he mentions that uh, you've got to curse Sir Walter Raleigh, he was such a stupid get. And that's what we call a mild insult uh, here in Liverpool. Uh, in London, you might call that phrase a stupid git, uh, but round, round about here we call people stupid or soft gits. He also put uh, A up as well, didn't he? He did, yeah. Just like before, a, a little uh, Lancastrian phrase. Just a before up. my guitar gently weeps, I yeah. think that's in. Um, and uh, I, I like them bits, I just like them. Lots of people think they hear the word git uh, or, or other, and uh, we hear otherwise round here. George Martin admits it wasn't. A, it would have been a really good single album um, if the band hadn't been so keen and sort of strong about putting all the albums together on a double. Um, but it's just got varying degrees of quality about it, and it's not not a bad thing. It is a sign of them sort of developing and trying new stuff out. I mean, Revolution Number Nine is new, and still is as far as I'm concerned. Um, and I've only re really listened to it two or three times. To tops. Um, but if you want to put it another way, they did all they did it the first time. They were the first ones to do it. Um, and don't forget the album cover; that was unique as well. Um, pop artist Richard Hamilton was hired. Uh, he originally wanted the White Album to leave a coffee stain on it or such like. And nevertheless, it's since had more than its share of copyists who's done something like it. Um, we always kind of mention what our favourite track on these albums are. I quite like them, but I got I change me I change me taste uh, every couple of weeks when I do hear the album. If I accidentally hear it, I like the um, bits with Paul doing his acoustic bits. I like Cry Baby Cry, and uh, even Good Night now and again. Uh, but right now it's Sexy Sadie. Uh, it's it's in spite of its flaws, it's still a great album. And in that um, the album White album it was is all white. Um, and I think it's quite a good album, all told. It doesn't mean they were getting any worse. They were, in fact, they were getting a little bit better. And now, 
that's that. And uh, that's the Beatle album review this time round. And now, a word from our sponsor. Lately, <coughs> uh, ladles and jelly spoons, we proudly prevent the Beatles podcast with Mark and Col. Who uh, spell check this? Well, hello there, and here are. Here are Mark and Carl with another Beetle Places podcast. And as you've been extra good this week and eating all your vegetables, it's time for this month in Beetle history with Mark, brackets, Alvin Stardust Tribute Act, close brackets, Glenister. Uh, I didn't know I had brackets in my name. Oh, look, look closely. Oh, ah, yeah. yeah. That's very good, that, yeah. Mm. Right, well, um, I'm picking this month... Uh, this well, this podcast, uh, the year of 1966, and um, just uh, April really, mm. uh, when they were recording um, bits from uh, well, Tomorrow Never Knows, really, oh. uh, which is one of John Lennon's quite weird songs that uh, builds up and goes on. Mm. Uh, so he uh, he uh, took his idea from the Tibetan Book of the Dead. Uh, that's, that's his Tibetan Book of the Dead period, he classes it ah. as. Uh, he took one of Ringo's Malaprosopismus <laughs> as a title. I'll get his teeth sorted out. <laughs> you know, take him out and I'll clean them yeah. for you. Uh, sort of take the edge off the heavy philosophical lyrics. Uh, often the backing, I think, of early on never comes off. With Tomorrow Never Knows, I'd imagined in, in my head that in the background you'd hear thousands of monks chanting. That was impractical, of course, and we did something different. It was a bit of a drag, and I didn't really like it. I should have tried to get near my original idea, the monk singing. I realise now that's that was what I wanted, and um, Paul said it was an LSD song, that one, so possibly oh. was, really. Um, uh, Paul McCartney added... Uh, Lots of looped tapes to it as well, so there's all little bits in there with oh. the singing backwards and uh, bits and pieces in. Oh. Uh, so uh, Paul's loop tapes were added to provide the unique solo, and um, after that they started to work on uh, Paul's song "Got to Get You Into My Life." How different are those so two? One to the other. <laughs> yeah, how different? Yeah. Wow, contrast or what? So the uh, a bit of a change there. So that was uh, April. 1966. Should I whiz on, to, say, 1968? I don't see why not. And Anyone else disagree? There well? yeah. They're on the way back from uh, Rishikesh with um, John and Cynthia, Paul, uh, John and Cynthia, George and Patty, and Magic Alex, who were uh, the, the electrician. Who, <laughs> kind of inverted, electrician. Inverted yeah. commas, yeah. Who <laughs> Electronics to, expert. To, to build a, a system, de- a mixing desk for them that uh, didn't work. Mm. It's a load of rubbish. Um, that uh, Alec, Magic Alex convinced John and George that the Maharishi was using his position to gain sexual favours oh. from at least one of the female meditators. So I think he must have started, got his big stick out and started stirring it all up. And uh, the Maharishi had never claimed to be celibate, and since he was not given the chance to explain or deny the charge... The reasons for the departure remain unclear when they, they left him. but um, And it will remain unclear. So uh, Alex Mardas, who was Magic Alex, 
uh, didn't want to relinquish his claim to be John's guru and uh, it would appear that he engineered the whole thing and just made a bit of a story up and, uh, oh. and that's it. So that's on the way back home at Delhi Airport, John wrote Sexy Sadie, at that time calling it Maharishi. So it was ah, uh, then yeah. later on he called it uh, yeah. Sexy Sadie. <clears throat> Find so, and replace. Aye. Yeah. So yeah. that was it. That was April 1968. Wow. Uh, the month that uh, Apple was launched as wow. well. They were never well, the not they were never launched. never not busy, were they? They were getting on with stuff all the time. Never stop. Never one thing stop. to the other. Uh, so that's that then. This month in Beatle history. Wow. Giving unemployed, good-looking, tall, handsome, well-groomed voiceover artists a bit of part-time work. It's the Beetle Places podcast with Mark and Cole. Is that all right? That's yeah, fine. Thanks. Thanks. Thank you. Yeah. Next. Well, he's great, isn't he, ah, Mark? And such a nice tan after his holes in the Greek islands of Domestos, or somewhere like that, I can't yeah. remember what he said. <clears throat> and so uh, the, the winters are drawing on round here in Liverpool, so uh, I'm getting a bit paler, and I look like a new, a new colouring book uh, as it goes at the moment. So that was this month in Beatle history, and there's more next time around. And don't forget, folks, this is Beetle Places podcast with Mark and Cole. That's me. And you're just about welcome to it. So let's enjoy, uh, via me, the Beatles book review, when uh, I uh, will have a go reviewing one of the Beatles books that I've got on my shelf. And uh, sometimes it's those I'm, uh, I'm interested in. I return them back to Amazon, just say they're unwanted Christmas presents. But this one I kept. That's naughty. Shh, shh, shh. Um, and this week I'm doing that one, Mark. Oh, I. Yeah. How to do it by. Oh, no, that's, that's not the same. Fanny one. Craddock does. Uh, oh, uh, no. Lobsters. Um, I'm going to tell you all about a great book by a fella called Kevin Roach, local Beatles historian, great guy, called The McCartneys in the town they were born. And what he's done is he's simply focused on the family of the Beatles, uh, Paul McCartney. Um, he's gone and got an awful lot of information from various local archives. He's interested in that kind of thing. He's um, certainly uh, paged the Liverpool Record Office to death. And he's, he's produced a very, very good history of the McCartneys. Um, it's all there. He's got copies of school registers. He's got copies of ma- marriage and birth certificates. He even was the guy who found Paul's very first essay, which was tucked away. And uh, Paul had written an essay about the Queen's coronation, God bless her, um, way back when he was 10 years and 10 months old. And he wrote this for a competition. And it was Kevin Roach himself who found this in the library. And uh, by rights, he's got the rights to uh, show what he got right. And uh, it's reproduced in the book. Uh, and it just proves how, first of all, how well uh, Paul wrote his essays. Very tidy writing. Um, slight mistake in the spelling because he used the capital B for but um, on one or two lines. Other than that, quite perfect because Paul did win a prize for his essay, which was all about Coronation Day. And uh, luckily, Kevin Roach is uh, that thorough with his research and details. He's got pictures that I've never seen before of where the... McCartney's lived when they were settling down in Liverpool with uh, Mary McCartney being a district nurse. She was living in various flats around uh, inner Liverpool and outer Liverpool and on the estates of Liverpool. Uh, An awful lot of information that goes to do with every house the Beatles uh, Paul McCartney lived in. 
you name it and he's got a feature of it what I noticed was um, he missed out one thing which is the birth announcement of Paul and I found that myself in a um, uh, I can't remember where I found it. Liverpool Echo for 1942 when Paul was born the day after and it said to Mary a son the gift of a boy I just remember that phrase, the gift of a boy. Oh, uh, and uh, he certainly nice? was a gift of a lad, so let's give him some credit after all said and done. I like the book very much because, um, uh, to me, it's a local book because it doesn't veer outside of Liverpool. Is this uh, a new book? Has it been out a while? Fairly new, yeah. It goes in tandem with a book by uh, a Beatles uh, guy who is very well known to Beatles people called Bill Harry. And Bill Harry was uh, an art college friend of John and he became the publisher of Merseybeat and so on. And he's produced a book on John Lennon in the same vein. Looks about the same, says about the same, mm. back history and so on. Um, it does cover the McCartney family from Jim and Mary McCartney onwards. And there's quite a lot of school life in there, quite a lot of, pic quite a lot of pictures of the houses that they lived in. Very ordinary little houses. And, uh, of course, uh, we all appreciate a couple of old photographs if they've been found. And Kevin Roaches managed to get hold of the rights to lot, lots of them. Somehow I've got the hiccups now. Very good. Uh, <laughs> and um, Can you tell me how much you paid for it? It would be, it, at the time it was nearly nine quid. Ooh. And I remember, I think that's all for me to spend. And could but you I tell did. me the name of the publishers <laughs> as well? Yeah, it's um, locally published, to my knowledge anyway. And Aye. it's produced by... Um, it, it fell off. Where did you get it from? Trinity Mirror Publishing. Ah. So oh, Kevin Roach, in the town they were born, the McCartneys, Kevin Roach, in the town they were born, on Trinity Mirror Publications. Uh, a great read. Um, worthy read, because if you like your genealogy, you like your Beatles, you like your McCartney, it's all in there about that one person alone. Great book. Um, recommend it. Very good. It's uh, a quick whiz through the questions again in the uh, the owl quiz like. Ah, give it a go. Uh, right. Uh, just let me sort myself out here now. And uh, well, it was a lyric round anyway. And I, what I can remember is I was stumped uh, right. for one or two of them. So uh, keep stumping us. Here we go. You stay home. She goes out. She says that long ago she knew someone, but now he's gone. She doesn't need him. Okay. Hmm. So uh, that's that one. Should I do the answer now? Do you think? <coughs> I think or... Yeah, I'll do my feature in a bit. Straight after the feature, Beatle trivia quiz question answers. Right. So um, sh I'll do uh, the answers shortly. This is just a quick reminder. So that was that one. That's question one. Yep. Question number two. Which song are these lyrics from? Are you ready? Hmm. <coughs> right. <laughs> Professional cough. <laughs> How can I even try? I can never win. Hearing them, seeing them, oh, yeah. in the state I'm in. Okay, have you got that now? Yeah, it's, it's sunk in now. I think uh, I know that uh, it's one. Get, it's getting there. Yeah, it's getting, getting there, there slowly. Uh, I'm picking different lyrics now just to, to try and get you uh, sorted. And this one, right. Um, I feel as though you ought to know that I've been good, as good as I can be. And if you do, I'll trust in you. OK? Yeah, kind of, yeah. I mean, 
Answers coming yeah, very soon, yeah. folks. Don't go away. <laughs> I right. can't, but uh, you can. And now to the next section. While I put my trousers on, <laughs> here's Mr. Colin Gardner. So I'll try get myself sorted out once he's. Uh, yeah, are, be- are you ready now? Yeah. The Beetle Places podcast feature time. Ooh. Interesting, this one. Are you ready? It's all about the Beatles and humour, so pay attention, stand up. This is no laughing matter. <laughs> Uh, well, thanks for that funny intro. Right. Uh, worthwhile. I'm glad I wrote it. Uh. Um, yeah, folks, it's about the Beatles and humour. You you will not realise until you realise how important jokes and humour and being funny was because we remember the Beatles as people being musically talented, great entertainers, but they were humorous. They were funny people. So uh, I have looked into this in a, in a lot of detail because we take it for granted that they told jokes and they were witty all the time. So... Um, where did they get that from? So it made me think a little bit more about it. So this is all about the Beatles and humour. So amongst the many facets the Beatles made and the men they became, their formative years, around about the 1950s, all the kids in the post-war era of Liverpool, when they were battered and bruised by all the German bombing, they found escapism through things like music, of course, movies, radio, and later on, television. So along with their upbringing in Liverpool, this formed part of their culture. And if you don't know it already, a sense of humour in Liverpool is a prerequisite for which the place is renowned. In particular, humour has always been prevalent and uh, during the Beatles' childhoods, as they were very fortunate to be around when there was a large amount of hugely popular comedy performers and comedy shows on radio and telly. So if you know this, then you can relate to a lot of Beatle behaviour and their sense of humour directly because they loved their comedians and this clearly shows in them as youths and later on when they were Beatles. So here's a few of those people who made them laugh. George Formby. Now, George Formby is one of the very early influences on all of them. Uh, John particularly. George Formby was a um, sort of a stand-up comedian, you might say. Singer, comedian, actor... Um, he, he was around, uh, he was born in Wigan, which is in Lancashire, and he later became very famous as an actor through his comedy films in the 1930s and 1940s. Uh, on stage, though, and on screen and on record, he sang very light, comical songs, usually played with a ukulele. And uh, over his own period of being famous, he was the UK's highest paid entertainer. Because he was chirpy, he was cheeky, and he usually played the songs with his ukulele. Big hits in their time, and he made a string of movies right through the war time. And he was certainly very, very popular right up until his uh, passing away in the early 1960s. But he always played up being northern uh, and from Lancashire with his accent and his hapless demeanour and his happy-go-lucky persona. He often sang quite risky risque, I suppose is the word, and lovable tunes, smothered in double entendres, thank God for that, like When I'm Cleaning Windows and With My Little Stick of Blackpool Rock. Um, And as we know, the Beatles all like George Formby. His movies are always played on the telly or in the little movie houses around, like uh, in Liverpool town called The Tatler. They were always showing George Formby movies. And uh, the Beatles themselves often played their songs at the cavern uh, to entertain the audience when all the music, when the uh, electrical amps failed. And uh, John himself used to go on holiday up in Lancashire, up to a place called Fleetwood, 
and with his cousins, Layla and his uh, other co cousin Stan. And on the way there and back from places, they stopped off at uh, stopped the bus off at George Formby's house because that's where he lived. Um, Paul and George both played the ukulele, probably in, in reference to George. And a George Formby style of performer gets a free cameo if you watch it in the Free as a Bird video at the very end. I quite like George Formby, still like him, makes me laugh. His songs are always a bit cheeky and uh, very enjoyable stuff as it goes. Do you remember him, Mark? I do. Oh, aye. Hi. Hi. Hey. And that's that's one of his <laughs> phrases. Aye. So you can see how John Lennon and Co were always pulling out um, those sort of uh, comments as and when they were doing recordings and, and talking like that. like that as well. John talked like that a lot as uh, George Formby talked, job, didn't he? Like, oh, like yeah. you can't help yourself. Mm. Um, other comedians out there, and definitely a big influence on John and Co was uh, the Goons, uh, radio comedy stars. They were but they were a huge influence on the band, no, most notably John. Uh, it was actually the name of a radio show on the BBC, and it ran for about 280 episodes. It lasted about nine years, from the early 1950s to 1960. And uh, to, to, to be fair, it was just a huge hit. I, I was listening to an episode today. Uh, it's absurdist, it's subversive, it's surreal, and it's never kind of been seen or heard before um, before it's time and it certainly made stars of the performers in it which included uh, people like um, uh, Peter Sellers and Spike Milligan it was really anarchic and it was years ahead of anyone so does that ring a bell with anybody? I think the Beatles certainly learned a thing or two from them um, the show itself and, and the performers in it, like Peter Sellers and Spike Milligan, they certainly influenced musicians and they certainly influenced comedians. People like Monty Python, Peter Cook, uh, Robin Williams even. Um, and the show's chief creator was Spike Milligan, who wrote most of the episodes. And Peter Sellers, of course, who was just great at acting and being silly anyway, who, who George Harrison especially uh, liked with Peter um, Ringo. Uh, they, they were big fans of Peter Sellers and had a lot to do with each other socially. Um, if ever you listen to a Goon Show episode, it's quite ludicrous. It's very surreal. Loads of silly voices, loads of puns, loads of catchphrases. But with sound effects like uh, flying whirlitzers and bagpipes going past at speed and things like that. So if you can imagine, they, they, they were weird enough as radio uh, comedy shows, but they did turn up in Beatles songs in one form or another. Um, they certainly took the uh, rise out of lots of sort of, um, they parodied aspects of local uh, business and commerce and industry, even politics, but uh, nobody knew they were doing it. That's how good they were. Good at uh, pricking the bu bubble of pomposity, I think. And the BBC as well. They picked fun at the BBC, didn't they? Uh... Yeah. Um, John Lennon certainly listened to them every week. And, and Paul used to go back to school every week and recite the show he'd heard the night before. Uh, John always called um, his comics that he wrote the highly esteemed um, Daily Howl. But in in reference to the highly esteemed goon show, as it was called, so you could see, certainly say there was influences left and right and centre for them. And and when you want to hear the Beatles acting like the goons, you only have to tune into something like the Beatles Christmas fan records because it's very strong evidence that they were influenced by the goons. Um, and, and as you all know, um, Peter Sellers got involved singing a Beatles song in 1965-ish. Was it? Uh, he sang a hard day's night. Uh, and a light in a Beatles uh, show called The Music of McCartney and Lennon. Mm, he did it in um, um, Sir Lawrence Olivier accent. It's been a hard day's night. 
and uh, doing Richard III sort of thing, wasn't he? <coughs> He did, he did, he did. And he also did uh, Adolf Hitler doing She Loves You as well. Oh, come on. <clears throat> so. <laughs> so you could see how crazy this, yeah. the, you know, the goons were, but how influential they were at the same time. So um, with the Beatles and humour and uh, the comedy of the Beatles, we're going to have a little itsy-bitsy break and we'll spend a moment with Mark again going over the answers this time to the tricky trivia quiz. Are you ready? Hey-ho! Here we go. Mark Glynister. I wouldn't say he's daft, but he thinks a trombone is connected to your knee bone. Listen to him on Beetle Places podcast with Mark and Col, where actually he's quite good. Ah, yes, that's better. It's a nice lie down I've had there. All right. Here we go with the answers to the uh, little quiz I did before. Three questions, uh, three bits of lyrics from three songs. I'd like to know which songs they are. So um, here we go. The line from the first song is this one. Are you ready? Mm. You stay home. She goes out. She says that long ago she knew someone, but now he's gone. She doesn't need him. <coughs> Any idea what that yeah, song is I'm, from? I'm, I'm nodding now. I, yeah, I, think, yeah. I think I know. Is it? Is it uh, for no one? It is for no one. Well it, done. You said it in such a way that I was thinking, oh, he's trying to throw uh, a wobbly here. Yes. Well done. Right. Okay. Here's the next, next one. Let's see if we can get this one. How can I even try? I can never win. Hearing them, seeing them, in the state I'm in, how could she say to me, love will find a way? Do you know that one? Yeah. <clears throat> uh, yeah, the answer's no. No. Well, I'll read, them, I'll read a little bit more and see what you say. See what you think. Okay? <laughs> so uh, Don't make me out to be daft. How can I even try? I can never win. Hearing them, seeing them, in the state I'm in. How could she say to me, love will uh, find a way? Yeah. Gather round, all you clowns. Let me hear you say, hey, hey you've, you've got, got to hide, hide your, your love, away. love away. Hey. So that's that one, okay. So you've got that one right. Yeah. Eventually, you've got to hide your love away. <laughs> well done. You're doing well here. <sighs> right, and finale is this one. I feel as though you ought to know that I've been good, as good as I can be. And if you do, I'll trust in you and know that you will wait for me. Nah, nah, no. it's not coming. Sorry. Nah, no. It's going to be an early one. Sounds like an early Early-ish. one. Early-ish. I'll, uh... Read the first beginning line. Keep so, going, first... reel me in. Okay. <laughs> it's been a long time, now I'm coming back home. I've been away now, oh how I've been alone. No, still not got it? I'll read it again. It's been a long time, now I'm coming back home. Oh, da, 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 da. No, no, I can't remember. It's called <laughs> Wait. Oh, blind. Wait. Okay. I did, Till I did. I come back y- to you waited, side. I waited, it didn't go. We'll forget the tears we cried. It's been a long time, now I'm coming back home. I've been away now, oh how I've been alone. You have to pay wah, extra. Wah, wah, wah. We have to pay extra if you sing. Ah, well, that's not singing. Yeah, the jury's out. Yeah. Um, cheers. Thank you. Good questions, that, yeah. Stump me. So right, OK. The Beatle Places podcast with Mark and Col. Find us under B for Beatles... Or P for podcast, or A for any old rubbish. So now, after a light nap, a change of gum shield, 
He's had a wash, brushed his teeth, combed his hair, <laughs> cup of Ovaltine. It's back to cuddly cup. <coughs> oh, well. All right. Well, oh, Okay, this week's episode, Beetle Places, featured the Beatles and humour. Oh, there's no doubt in it. Humour <laughs> makes the world go round. Thanks, Mark. Okay. So, uh, we were talking about the Beatles and humour. If you've gone away and come back again, that's what we were talking about, because they made us laugh. What made them laugh? And this is what made them laugh. Uh, one of those examples, we talked about George Formby, a very early uh, British music uh, star and comedian. We talked about the Goons, who are an anarchic, innovative radio show, which I suggest you find online. And, of course, um, no two ways about it, Laurel and Hardy loomed large. Um, being film buffs, the Beatles, uh, of the, the Beatles saw a lot of movies as kids and teenagers. Um, and between sessions at the cavern even, the Beatles would retreat uh, into the dark and quiet of the local cinemas that are just around the corner. Uh, one or two cinemas in town, namely the Tatler and the JC, they were only little flea-pit cinemas, and uh, they showed endless amounts of cartoons, newsreels and short comedies, and uh, that included my favourites, Mark's favourites, Lalo and Hardy. Uh, and they made dozens of classic comedy two-reelers that even today don't dim with age. They still make me laugh out loud. And the Beatles liked the uh, Laurinardi that much. They included them in their Sgt. Pepper album cover. Um, but we can move on from there because they didn't just like old stars. They liked new ones. And that included people like Monty Python and uh, the people in the Bonzo Dog Doodah Band. And uh, they came from the 1960s satire boom. And they too, they were influenced by the Goons radio show and uh, people like Gerard Hoffnung and influenced by the comedy writers and comedians from Oxford and Cambridge like John Cleese. So this led to a sort of insurge of cerebral humour on TV and radio. And the performers in that sort of boom included people like Graham Garden and Eric Idle and Neil Innes and Vivian Stanchel, Michael Palin, John Cleese and loads more. And they created their own shows and radio shows and TV shows and they've influenced people on top of that. And uh, though the shows they made included people, things like uh, Do Not Adjust Your Set, Monty Python's Flying Circus, Rutland Weekend Television and even Faulty Towers. So they gained worldwide audiences with their cult status comedy. And uh, when they branched through TV, they even branched out into movies on their own. And of course, the Beatles were big fans of the comedy shows uh, as they came through the TV set for them as well. And they never stopped watching good comedy on TV. And uh, in fact, if you didn't know now, George Harrison was a huge Python fan, but uh, the only person who ever appeared as a Beatle on a Monty Python show was Ringo. He appeared on uh, an episode in Series 3, about 1972. Uh, though George did make up for that, because when Eric Idle had his own comedy show called Rutland Weekend Television, uh, made around 1975, George turned up as a pirate, and he sang a song called A Pirate Song. Uh, John himself, he got involved in comedy shows, and he liked Peter Cook. Um, and he managed to read his poetry on one of Peter Cook and Dudley Moore's shows, and that was a big deal at the time as well. But uh, in terms of liking other music, the Beatles themselves like comedy performers, such as the Bonzo Dog Doodah Band. And they were around around the mid-60s to the late 70s. And they did a lot of weird stuff, which the Beatles loved to bits. And they even included the band on their Magical Mystery Tour movie, singing a song called Death Cab for Cutie. 
Now, the thing is, um, we've talked about John liking stuff, George liking stuff, Ringo liking stuff. Paul can't be left out in this appreciation because he liked uh, his comedians too. That included a, a strange guy called Ivor Cutler, who was a poet, stroke comedian, stroke strange guy. You know, a little bit, yeah. A little John, bit, John yeah. Peel on the radio liked him as well. Yeah, I, I like, I like um, I'm going in a field. That's a great song of his. Um, And uh, don't forget, uh, Paul got involved in music production with comedians and he helped produce the uh, Bonzo Dog Doodah band song I'm the Urban Spaceman, principally for Neil Innes. And um, and Neil Innes, on the back of that, he also produced a a parody of the Beatles called The Ruttles with Eric Idle in the mid-70s. So it goes around and comes around, I suppose. Uh, don't forget George got massively involved with Monty Python and the gang when he helped them produce their Life of Brian movie because he just loved their sense of humour and their stuff and it just basically uh, proves that the Beatles embraced lots of modern comedy as well as their old childhood comedian favourites but one thing we should mention is their producer George Martin yes, that George Martin Uh, he contributed quite a lot to the Beatles sense of humour and he can't be understated the band actually knew of some of the work he did because uh, George Martin, before he knew the Beatles, he was producing lots and lots of records and that included comedy records for lots of popular favourite people off TV. They would come in and record a comedy song in the EMI studios and George Martin often had a hand in that. Um, he would often uh, get involved in comedy recordings of live shows and even electronic music. So George Martin was there long before the Beatles turned up and his canon of work just proved how much of a broad set of skills he had, painting with sound, as they call it. And uh, when the Beatles and him sort of met up, um, they were just a match made in heaven, as far as I could, could, can see. Uh, the comedy records that he made often reached the singles charts, and some of them, you know, did very well. I could name a few. Uh, do you remember the GNU song, Mark? I do. Flanders yeah. and Swan. I'm, I'm a GNU. How do you do? Uh, Bangers and Mash with Peter Sellers, that was a great song. Like my mother used to make. Uh, right Said Fred, one of my favourite songs by a fellow called Bernard Cribbins. He died not so long ago as well, ah, didn't he? Yeah. Bernard Cribbins passed away. So, you know, um, George Martin gets mixed into that comedy and humour thing that the Beatles loved so much because he was a funny guy. He also appreciated good humour and he produced some of the best comedy records I can recall that we've ever liked ever. Um, don't forget, with his skills of recording live, he nearly, nearly, but didn't, uh, recorded the Beatles live at the Cavern. And um, you don't know how that would have turned out unless he'd, he'd have gone and done it. So uh, big appreciation of him and big appreciation of all the comedians who made a difference to the Beatles when they were young. Young. Ah, yeah. A great influence, really. Yeah. Excellent. Well done. Excellent. That uh, com- yeah. And we like our comedy records, don't we? Oh, I. Yeah. What's. Uh, you, you've got to have a laugh. Yeah. You've got to have a laugh. Well, uh, look at these trousers. Uh, do I have to? <sighs> so, uh, we're coming on all right here now, aren't we? We're uh, coming to the, the latter half of the, the uh, podcast yeah, now. Yeah, we've reached the hump. Aye, the hump. Definitely a hump. <laughs> so, um, yeah. yeah, your electricity bills will be. Uh, <laughs> Rocketing through the roof, <laughs> so uh, we probably cost about five hundred pound a minute at the moment. Now. So uh, we better wrap this episode up. Do you think? Uh, we can. Yeah, we could, yeah. and we should. 
So um, let's see. Uh, we've done the questions and the answers to the trivia quiz. We've done that, cheers, yeah. Cheers, Mark. You're a gem. You're a midget gem. Um, you should have eaten all your carrots as a kid. Yeah. Um, uh, so, well, according to my electricity bills, we should be disconnected any minute now, so we're going to wrap it up. Yeah. I think so. So we're as sound as Ezra Pound. That sounds grand to me. And we'll return next time we're with more features than an Ordnance Survey map. So look out for our episode next time. I think we'll do a Beatles Places pub quiz. Right, they we'll, tend to be popular. We will. Yeah, we'll uh, we'll do a quiz thing. Yeah. yeah. What else will we do? Extend it. We'll do some uh, Beatle history um, this month in Beatle history. Mm. Uh, the Beatles book review. If we can find another book to review, <laughs> yeah. uh, the Beatles album guide. All the usual nonsense and gubbins that you've come to love and and respect, respect and expect. From your favourite either, two either lovable either. podcast hosts hey. and part-time limbo dancers, only on a Wednesday. That's uh, Mark and Col on the Beatles podcast. So uh, there you go. Time to perfection, Lado. So give me a toodle. No, I won't. Oh. Uh, you, you, you give me a pep. No, <laughs> no, no. You, you give me a toodle. Oh, all right then. Uh, uh, or is it a Gladys? A, 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 it is, yeah. A pep, a toodle, and, uh, and a Gladys. A Tara, my dear. Who do. is Gladys? I don't know. I don't know. You, well, she's in the room. Well, you so saw her last. I didn't know, but don't blame me. Well, she hasn't come here for a while anyway, not since you did that. Uh, no, let's know. not mention what no, we did last night. No, 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 no. Anyway. Good night, folks. Turn the red lights off. Has that got it done, then? We're done. All right. Tara. Thanks for listening to the Beetle Places podcast with Mark and Col. We hope to see you again real soon and don't forget to visit the gift shop on the way out.